The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the word this morning, excited to do that. There's an element of the, the scripture that I'm looking for uh, in, in my own life as we get into the word, every time we get into the word, but specifically this morning, there's a few things that stand out to me. I want to share a few things that you're going to find as we get into the word. The things that, that maybe stood out to me, I think they will to you as well. Uh, encourage the taking of notes if you have the ability to take some notes. Jotting things down is important. It helps you make a point of contact in your mind so that the information sticks. It also gives you a point of reference that you can revisit. Uh, because I've been in a lot of church services. I've listened to a lot of people speak. And really and truly, if I were going to, to, to be honest, my attention span isn't that long. Like, I'll start counting the ceiling tiles. I've even counted the dots on the floor before. And I start to kind of fade a little bit. So it's important for me to stay engaged. And, and I think that it's important for everyone to stay engaged. Note taking is a good way to do that. You can also revisit those notes in your own time because I know God's speaking to us all personally and individually. Uh, so here's a few things we're going to find. Uh, one thing we're going to find is, is what we need to be doing in our own lives. It might sound odd to say it this way, but it's something that you need to be doing to yourself. In the scripture, there's something that we need to be doing in our own lives, <clears throat> and it's a very important thing to do. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like we do this to others, and we don't do it to ourselves, and we need to do it to ourselves. So I want to see that in the scripture, and, and we'll find out what that is and how important it is. Another thing we're going to find is how things need to end. How things need to end. I mean, we've all got things going on. You've got a to-do list. You have activities. You have relationships. You've all got stuff happening right here and right now. And it all has a, a, a starting point. I mean, the things that you have going on began at some point. Then they have a, a middle, you know, while it's actually happening. And then they're going to have an ending. And the scripture reveals to us how things need to end when we're involved. And I think it's important to see that. A third thing that we're going to find is uh, what it looks like when we pass what I'm going to call the test. We'll, we'll, it'll make more sense when we get there, I promise you what it looks like when we pass the test. So we're going to jump right in, and it's going to make a little sense just right off the bat here. I mentioned we're going to find what's needed, uh, what we need to be doing in our lives, or what we need to be doing to ourselves in our lives as we live. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. I want to look at chapter 13, verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. So we've got all of that uh, groundwork laid there. We're ready to jump in. We take a breath and we begin now to focus and take a look at what needs to be happening in our own lives. Second Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5. It gets right to the point when it begins with, with the words, test yourself. I mean, I mentioned we're going to be finding out what we need to be doing to ourselves or what we need to be doing in our own lives Test yourself. I mean, we're going to read the rest of the passage, but I want to pause there just right out of the chute to acknowledge that it doesn't say test your neighbor. It doesn't say keep an eye on your spouse. It doesn't say test your children, but it says test yourself. 
I think that's an important thing to consider. I think we're really good at testing all of those around us. I know I am. But, but according to the scripture here, the call is for me to test myself. And then it goes on to say, to see, or, or those words were added for readability, but it's revealing to us why we would test ourselves. Test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? Now, this is obviously written by the Apostle Yoda, because we don't really talk like that. It's a little choppy, right? But when you take a look at what's being spoken here, it's interesting. It's interesting to consider that God's calling us to examine ourselves, to test ourselves, to make sure that we're operating in the faith to make sure that we're operating like Jesus Christ is on the throne of our hearts. Now, I want to tell you why this is important to me. I had a conversation recently with my wife, and we were dealing with a challenge, a situation, and she made a comment, and the comment wasn't made with sarcasm. It wasn't made with aggression. It was very righteous, and it was very appropriate. She made the comment, if that doesn't change, how is it that Jesus is on the throne of your heart? That's a really, I mean, ouch, right? I mean, that's kind of the rubber meeting the road. Now, this was a, a behavioral issue, a personality issue. It was a, a, a thing that is a challenge for me personally, but yet I agree with her. It needs to be dealt with and addressed, and I'm a big fan of what God's doing and what he's done in my life, and this is something that he is doing, and I agree with her in what she's saying, that if I'm functioning and operating in the faith, then you ought to be able to see that. You ought to hear it in my words. You ought to see it in my actions. It ought to show in my body language. It ought to show in my facial expressions. I ought to be bringing the full package of Jesus being in charge when I'm engaging relationally with those around me. So when we read this passage of Scripture, I think it's interesting to me that the call is for us to constantly be mindful of ourselves, to examine ourselves. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know that I do this regularly. I sure don't do it regularly enough. And the scripture doesn't give us any kind of, you know, quota. Make sure that once a week when you go to church, you check yourself. Or make sure that once a week when you attend Bible study, you examine yourself. Or every time you take communion, examine yourself. In fact, the word encourages other things rather than those things. When we come together, we're meant to be sharing the gifts of the Holy Ghost. We're not even just meant to come and sit in a theater setting and listen to a sermon, but rather we're meant to be bringing our offering of the Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit flowing through us and sharing them with one another. And I mean, there's a lot of things that we're meant to do when we come together as a congregation. When we receive communion, we're not even supposed to be examining our, our, our hearts. We're supposed to be focused on Jesus. He said, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. He didn't say, hey, when you do this, you better check yourself. But yet the scripture's telling us to examine ourselves, not giving us a ceremony, not giving us a quota, rather it's a lifestyle of self-awareness. I've got news for you. Every issue in my life is the result of the absence of self-awareness. I love people, but yet I can be a real jerk. I love my wife, but yet I can misbehave within our marriage. I love my children, but yet I can be a dysfunctional father if my words aren't captured or if my anger is manifest or my, if something is out of priority or out of place, everything can go wrong. 
that is revealing to me that, that the lack of self-awareness in the situation, the lack of self-awareness of how I appear or how I sound or my word selection, my body language, or even overall in general, the actions, it's, it, the actions themselves might just be sinful. I mean, I don't want to function in sin, but yet I still can do that if I'm not aware of what I'm doing, if I lose self-awareness. And the scripture is calling for a lifestyle of self-awareness when the scripture calls for us to test ourselves, examine yourself that you are walking in the faith. I love that it's open-ended in that it doesn't just apply itself to a certain scenario or a certain situation, but I should test myself in every conversation. I should test myself in every interaction. I should test myself in every selection. I mean, the things that I would even select on the television to watch, I could test myself. Hey, am I watching this in the faith? Am I listening to this in the faith? Am I engaging in this conversation in the faith? Am I interacting with that person in the faith? Or if I found that I'm outside of Jesus Christ, where I'm watching this out of lust or out of violence, or I'm listening to this out of, of you know, old habits and old ways that I've been set free from, or I'm engaging in that relationship out of immoral flirtations, or I, I have some kind of angle that I'm working that's just not Jesus. This call on our lives is, is not a, a one-time act or, or a weekly act. Rather, it's a lifestyle of self-awareness to make sure that we're functioning and operating like the believers we confess to be. And I really love that it's established in the Scripture, and I, I believe personally that it becomes a lifestyle where you can even begin to do this as if it is second nature. It can become something that is, is part of your life, and you don't even realize you're doing it. Almost like breathing or your heart beating. So I want to take a look at what this means, this self-awareness, this testing of yourself. And I want to give you a passage of scripture, and, and it may not seem to fit, but I, I personally think it does, and I think you'll find that it does too. But the point of this passage of scripture is that you're very unnatural in this world. I mean, everything about your life is meant to be odd in this world as it concerns being a believer. I'll give you the passage of scripture that I'm, I'm leaning on when I say that, and hopefully it makes as much sense to you as it does to me. John chapter 17, I want to look at verses 13 through 19. Now, John chapter 17 is Jesus praying for you. I mean, he's praying for the entire world, but you're part of the world. He's praying for every single person, but you're a person, so he's praying for you. If you ever wanted to know how he feels about you, you can read how he prays about you in John chapter 17, and it will definitely improve your day. So when we get to this passage of scripture, Jesus is praying. He's praying to the Father, and he's praying regarding you. I think it's important to keep that in mind, that this is from Jesus to the Father, and it's 100% wall-to-wall completely about me. He says, but now I come to you, Father, and these things I speak in the world so that Preston may have joy, so that he may have joy in himself. I mean, put your name in there. Fill in the blank. And, and I've given Preston your word. And the world hates Preston because he's not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. And I don't ask you to take Preston out of the world, but keep Preston from the evil one. Now, by the way, if you're visiting, my name's Preston. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
The point here is to make this individual. So Preston's not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify Preston in truth. Your word is truth. You sent me into the world. Now I'm sending Preston into the world. And for Preston's sake, I'll sanctify him that Preston also might be sanctified in truth. Now, if, if I read that wrong, you got to forgive me because substituting your name in there can be a little bit tricky. But I hope you, you understand the point of the exercise. That Jesus is praying and he's asking God to do something really specific for you. Now, this isn't some kind of a, a, an ejection lever. Hey, God, you want us to behave. The world misbehaves. So will you just kind of get Preston out of here? Because this place is so jacked up. He's never going to make it. Will you just bail him out somehow? But rather, he's acknowledging, I've brought your word that transforms lives into this world. It has had an effect on those who have heard and received. And that effect is powerful. The powerful so that these individuals can be set apart and protected from all of the evil that exists in the world. That means you and I, though the world hates us, are going to function and operate in this world in a different manner. I mean, uh, honestly, if the world doesn't hate us, we should really be concerned. We should examine why it is that we blend in so well and fit in so well with such corruption. Could it be that, that there's a need for deliverance from those things in our own lives? But when I look at this, I understand this is the kind of thing that I need to be testing for. I need to examine myself. I need to take a look and ask myself, do I blend in? Do I fit right into the world? If you were to take the life of Preston Humphreys and post it on Facebook, would it look just like every other you know, life that's posted on Facebook? Or would my life look different? Do the choices and the decisions that I make differ from the choices and the decisions that are championed in the world? Do the ideas that I adhere to and the, the policies and the, the, the things that I live by fit right in? Are they acceptable with the world or do they stand out as different? Now, this isn't about being different for the sake of being contrary. This is about identifying that God's put a call on our life to function, to behave, and to live according to the standard that is in his kingdom, and that standard is hated by the world. When we're functioning and operating as we should, we're going to look different. And I want to just say this because I think it's important to say there's never a pass or a green light to hate the world back. There's never just this identity. This isn't a, a, a rally cry for war. The world's going to hate you, so get ready to start pushing back. Rather, this is an identification. Hey, listen, you're going to be doing this, and I want you to know it's not going to be easy. People are going to hate this. They're going to hate it when you choose to love, when you choose joy. They're going to hate it when you have peace. When, when all the world is in chaos, they're going to hate it when patience prevails. And when kindness is present, they're going to resist goodness. They're going to, to detest faithfulness and gentleness. And, and God knows self-control is under attack. So for you, for me, as we look at this, we understand that God is doing something in and through our lives that the world is going to resist. But yet we're called to test ourselves and examine ourselves to see if we're operating in the faith. So here's the things that I believe we're meant to test for. And I want to offer them to you simply. You'll find them in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. 
in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, you see what the scripture refers to as the fruits of the Holy Spirit. The things that the Holy Ghost produces in and through our lives. And really and truly, it's the point of the gospel. I mean, the gospel's point isn't to simply just bring forgiveness into the world, but rather the purpose of forgiveness is so that you and I can be walking in holiness, free from the corruption of sin, so that we can walk with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that produces these fruits. Galatians 5, and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When I'm examining my life, when I'm taking a look to see if I'm operating in the faith, I need to be looking for these things. In this situation, in this conversation, in this relationship, am I seeing the fruit of the Holy Spirit or is it absent? I want to test for these things. So I want to give you a few passages of scripture that are tests, so to speak. Some of them will be more direct than others, but I want to offer you one as the the love test, so to speak. I'll give you a passage of scripture from the book of 1 John, 1 John 4, 18. 1 John 4, 18, it says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear because fear involves punishment. It goes on to say that the one that fears has not been perfected in love. If I'm going to examine my life for love, and I find that my life is filled with or controlled by or directed by fear, I can understand that I'm failing that test. That obviously I'm not operating in the faith in that situation because the presence of fear is the absence of love. And I want to be in the faith. I need love to be steering the ship, not fear and anxiety. If I'm going to test myself for joy, I'll give you a passage of scripture from Proverbs Chapter 19, verse 19, it reads like this. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. Joy, excuse me. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. I can test my life by that scripture and just simply look for the presence of God. Am I enjoying the presence of God? Now, this is an interesting thing to consider. I mean... I might even be a little biased in my presentation of it, but, but stick with me. I mean, I've, I've functioned in, in church life for a long time, pastor churches, been, and I'll hear people say things that are just funny. I mean, it's just kind of funny. We know that, that God is everywhere all the time and, and all of these things, but yet you can still be aware that people are sensitive to or not sensitive to the presence of God. I've been in church services where the only thing people can say is, wow, God really showed up. You know, that's interesting vocabulary. And I know what they're saying. They're saying that they engaged or felt some tangible presence of God or the Holy Spirit, and they were just trying to put it in words. And and sometimes it's very difficult to verbalize things, you know, because I don't think there's ever been a day where God didn't show up. If there ever is a day where God doesn't show up, we're all doomed, (laughs) But you'll hear people say things like that, and I can. I can ask myself, in my life, in this situation, am I sensitive to the truth that God is present? I mean, it's one of the ways he's revealed himself. Yahweh Shema, the Lord is there. He chose to reveal himself by that name because it's who he is. 
And it's a very important thing for us to realize and to consider when we examine ourselves, when we're testing ourselves, are we seeing that God is there? Now, this is kind of a big one. I mean, there's times I'll talk with people and I'll hear such tremendous, tremendous, tremendous hopelessness or they'll be absolute and something is over, it's failed, it's collapsed, it's, 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 it's dead, it's gone. And, and I have to realize this person is having a real hard time acknowledging that God is there. They're completely given up. But we need to test ourselves, examine ourselves to make sure that, that we're in the faith, that, that we're operating in love, that we're operating in joy. We can examine ourselves for the presence of fear. We can examine ourselves for the absence of God's presence. And when we find those things, we need to adjust because it needs to be love. It needs to be joy that we're finding when we test ourselves. Another thing we need to find when we test ourselves is peace. As we examine our lives through the, the challenges, the situations, the circumstances, we need to find peace. When we're testing ourselves to see that we're operating in the faith. I'll give you a passage of scripture. We, we use this one a lot when we talk about peace, but that's okay. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Repetition is a good thing. In fact, in a world that hungers for revelation, you know, oh, pastor, bring us revelation. I can tell you it's repetition that makes revelation a reality. If all you ever have is revelation and you never have repetition, life is going to be really tough. But it's the repetition that makes those revelations become a daily reality in how we live and how we think and how we speak. Philippians 4, beginning in verse 6, it's a call for us to lay down anxiety. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. If I'm testing myself to see if I'm in the faith, if I feel panicked in my heart and in my mind, I can be aware that I'm not operating in the faith and I need to adjust. Something else is leading and guiding other than Jesus because when Jesus is leading and guiding, my heart and my mind are guarded or protected by Jesus. Now, let me just tell you this really quickly because it's very easy for sermons to become welcome to your weekly beatdown, and that's not the case here. In fact, there's more confession in this than anything else. I mean, these are things when I examine myself, I find myself lacking often. Now, it's not a, a critical or a criticism to find yourself lacking. Rather, it's, it's a, a reality check that just tells us we need to adjust. You know what I like to think of it as are those annoying little things, the grooves they cut on the side of the road. You know them. You're driving along and you just hear, Wah! When I'm driving, you hear it a lot. My wife asks, are you okay? A lot when we're driving. Apparently, driving straight is something I just can't do. You know what they need? You know the bumpers when bowling? That's what they need. <laughs> Forget the little grooves, man. Just put me some airbags on there. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Sooner or later, you just bounce from side to side till you get where you're going. Just punch it. Close your eyes and punch it. You'll get there. It's what our vacations sound like for hours. 
But that's really the point. When we examine ourselves and we test ourselves, it's not to, to bring some kind of condemnation on ourselves. Rather, it's an indication there's a need to adjust. And that's really it. And we're called to adjust. These things are not set there that we measure ourselves by for the purpose of deciding whether we have succeeded or failed. Rather, these are the guidelines that we're meant to adjust by in order to achieve success. So I want to move on. If I'm examining myself, I, I can get to patience. Now, I told you we're going to find how things need to end. You remember that? We gave those three things when we got started. You know, the first one was what we need to be doing to ourselves. The second thing is, was how things need to end. We'll find that here as we test ourselves for patience. So I'll give you a passage of Scripture from Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8. As I'm examining myself in, in the situations that I deal with or the circumstances that I face, as I'm examining myself, testing myself to see if I'm in the faith or if I've, I've, I've stepped outside in my, my actions or my attitudes, Ecclesiastes 7, 8 will, will speak of patience. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8 reads like this. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than haughtiness of spirit. Now, Ecclesiastes is a wonderful book in the Scripture. In fact, it's like the fortune cookie section of the Bible, right? I mean, it feels like you should have just eaten some really great Chinese food, cracked open that cookie, and, and read that. In fact, most of the time when I read things from the Proverbs or from Ecclesiastes, I will read them forward, and then I'll try to play it backward as well. And that's really how this one is effective for me, because I can see it's talking about patience being better than, than, than arrogance or rushing into things. And then it reveals really the result of operating in patience. The end of a matter will be better than its beginning. So I might be asking you to stretch a little bit or read between the lines, but I want to ask you, when you get involved in a situation, does it get better or worse? I mean, when my phone rings and I deal with drama, and my God, I work with people and deal with a lot of drama. When I get involved, does it get better or does it get worse? When they call me up, is there relief? Is there solution? Does something improve or is there a lack of patience? Or I am fed up with your baloney and I want you to lose my phone number and if I ever see you again, it's not going to go. I mean, am I bringing more drama to the drama show or am I bringing solution? When I read this passage of scripture, I can see that if I'm operating in patience, the end will be better than the beginning. If I go home and, and my wife has an issue that needs to be dealt with, will the end of that conversation be better than the beginning? Well, that's up to me in the amount of patience that I have. It's up to her in the amount of patience that she has as well. As it concerns the, the trials of raising children, when we face a, a challenge or an issue, will, will the end be better than the beginning? Well, that's up to the parents and the amount of patience they're going to bring to the table. I see the importance here, and if I'm going to test my life to see if I'm operating in the faith and I'm going to test for patience, I have to ask myself, when I get involved, does it get better or does it get worse? And if it's not getting better, if it gets worse, if there's drama added, I know that there's a real absence of patience and, and that needs to be dealt with for there to be a godly solution. 
So moving on here as we examine ourselves, we've, we've looked at love and joy and peace and patience. Now we get to kindness. Kindness has is, is got to be present. If we're operating in the faith, we need to test ourselves for the presence of kindness. I'll give you a passage of scripture here out of the book of Romans. It's, it's one that I would test myself with. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Romans 2, verse 4. Here's how it reads, and then I'll explain why I think it's a, a good one to test yourself by. Romans 2, 4. Uh, do not think lightly of the riches of God's kindness, tolerance, and patience. Uh, know that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. Now, I want to alter a word. It's not going to alter any of the meaning. The words are interchangeable. But I would substitute for, for this application the word repentance with the word change. Now, they're completely and totally interchangeable. They're, they're one and the same. Repent is not just a biblical word for apology. But repent means change. When, when Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he was calling for people, change, change your life. Uh, separate from darkness and embrace what God has sent into the world as light. It's a call for change. When I look at this and I see that when the kindness of God is present, the result is change. I have to ask myself, am I changing? Am I improving? Is there the presence of repentance? Or am I having the same drama on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis? Is it a roller coaster of the same old? Or is there real change taking place? Am I growing? Am I maturing? Am I improving? When I test myself for kindness, there's a lot of areas where I come up lacking and I realize this is something I need as I test myself. Now, when I find that I come up short, it needs to have an impact on the things I pursue, the things that I seek. It needs to be present in my prayer life. Father, your kindness is desperately needed in my life. I desire the change that you would call me to. Let your kindness lead me in the right direction. These are the kinds of things that result from our examining ourselves. The goodness test. I'll give you a passage of scripture, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. I love this verse of scripture in its definition of good. I mean, good is very relative, right? I mean, I love ice cream. My wife doesn't. So I think Bluebell Millennium Crunch is really good. She could take it or leave it, right? So good's relative. But when we see a biblical identification of what good is, we understand what the scripture is looking for when it's calling us to goodness. So Acts 10 verse 38, it should set a standard for what is good as we see the life of Jesus Christ identified as good. Uh, it, it reads like this, you know Jesus of Nazareth and how God anointed him with the Holy Ghost and with power. Now I'm going to add this in, just like you. The same anointing, the same Holy Spirit on your life. So you know Jesus of Nazareth and how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he then went about doing good. Now here comes the definition of good. Healing those who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. I mean, the good that God's called you to and me to in my life is bringing relief from, from all kinds of darkness that's oppressing people. You don't have to walk very far or meet very many people to find people that are oppressed by things that are dark. And we're called to be light in this world. 
I've got news for you. The reason why you can see me right now is because light is winning. They turn the lights on. If the, if the light wasn't winning right now, it'd be dark in here. Well, you are no different. You're the light that's sent out into the world. We are called to win over darkness. And how do we do that? With our, our words, our actions, how we live our lives. As we share these things that are meant to be a part of our life, love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, these are all meant to result in that doing good that helps those around us who are suffering. We can examine ourselves, test ourselves. Am I doing good in this situation? The faithfulness test. I'll give you a passage of scripture here. This is pretty straightforward. Deuteronomy 7, 9. We know, God, that you are God, that you are faithful. You keep your word. And when I test myself for faithfulness, I have to ask myself, am I doing what I said I would do? Now, this is a big one for marriage. I mean, when you consider marriage vows, they're terrifying. I mean, think about that. It really is. When you talk about uh, being there no matter what, uh, not leaving, not, not forsaking, uh, forsaking all others in good times, bad, sickness, health, richer, poorer. I mean, you're kind of covering every aspect there, and that's a promise. It's a vow. Faithfulness. Are we doing what we said we would do? If we find we're not doing what we said we would do, we need to adjust. There needs to be an adjustment. We need to get back to the point where we're then doing what we said we would do. A gentleness test. Here's another one. Uh, Psalm 18, 35. Uh, Psalm 18, verse 35. It reads like this. You've given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand upholds me. Your gentleness makes me great. So this one's going to sound a little goofy, but if I'm testing myself for gentleness, it's not a matter of, hey, am I warm and fuzzy? But it's, hey, am I great? Am I bringing solution? Does greatness, is greatness the result of the things that I put my hand to? Is there promotion? Is there, is there advancement? Is there anything that is moving forward rather than moving backward? And it's the gentleness of God operating in, on, and through your life that opens the door for that greatness. I love this passage of Scripture, and it might not communicate very well, but I think it's the, the lack of or the absence of gentleness in my life naturally that draws me to this uh, with, with such a, an urgency. The idea that all of my life I was told that to be great, I needed to be stronger, tougher, meaner, more aggressive, uh, I, I needed to do whatever it took. I mean, we had that as a saying when I was in high school. That was printed on our football team's T-shirts, whatever it takes. Sounds like we're all hopped up on roids or something, right? Like, whatever it takes, we're going to I don't know if the, whatever it takes is really the right mentality there. But for you, for me as believers, we're called to embrace and walk in God's gentleness, and it's that that will lead and guide to greatness. Self-control, we're right here at the end. Self-control, as we test ourselves, examine ourselves, are we operating in the faith? Are we doing things the way that God has called us and led us to do them? We've got to test for or look for self-control. Now, this passage of Scripture is, is one that you may have to read between the lines on, but I want to give it to you and just want to let you know my thoughts on self-control, just keeping it simple. Proverbs 16.32, it says, The one that's slow to anger is better than the mighty. 
And the one that can control his own spirit or rule over his own spirit is greater than the one who captures a city. I have to ask myself, am I gaining ground? Is there any victory taking place here? I mean, this is being compared to one who set out to capture a city and has done so. Am I winning? When I find, as I examine myself in a situation that I'm not winning, that I'm losing ground, I've got to examine myself and ask, am I operating in self-control? Self-control is a really surprisingly simple thing. Now, please know simple doesn't mean easy. It just means it's not complicated. It could be tremendously hard. I mean, I think love your wife as Christ loved the church is very simple. Now, is that easy? It can be hard sometimes, not because of her, but because of my selfishness. I mean, there's all kinds of things that are simple, but that doesn't mean they're easy. So I want to look at self-control simply. Self-control means nothing else is controlling you. Isn't it funny that that's what God has given us, self-control? He didn't give us God control. He didn't give us spirit control, Holy Ghost control. And people will say that in their vocabulary, you know, oh, God just took over. And I'm thinking, "Mm, I know what you're trying to say, but he didn't take over because he doesn't do that. He gave you self-control. He's not just going to, to come and take over your body and occupy you and begin to function and operate. Rather, he's going to lead you and guide you, instruct you, give you counsel and direction, and you'll surrender your will to his will and do the things that are pleasing to him. Self-control. Self-control means you control yourself. And if you're controlling yourself, it means what he said's not controlling you, what she said not, isn't controlling you, what your boss is doing isn't controlling you, your checkbook isn't controlling you, fear and anxiety isn't controlling you. You fill in the blank, and unless it's you, it's not controlling you. Self-control means that you are not being led by anything outside of you. That's why it's so important that Jesus function and operate inside of you. And as we operate in self-control, we open up the door to be victorious in any situation that we deal with and face. I want to give you the results of passing these tests here. I will give it to you out of the scripture. I mentioned we're going to find what it looks like when we pass these tests. First Peter Chapter 1, I want to look at verses 6 through 9, and we're, we're closed here. As you get to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, it starts like this. In this you greatly rejoice, even though right now for a little while you deal with, with problems, distresses, and, and various trials. This is so that, that your faith can be proved. Remember, we were called earlier to test ourselves to examine ourselves, that we might know if we're operating in the faith. And then it goes on to say this, in the same way that gold is tested, it's tested by fire, that we are tested, that we might be found passing. It goes on to say the result being praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Even though you've not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him even now, you believe and are greatly positioned to rejoice with joy, inexpressible, full of glory, obtaining the outcome that is your faith and the salvation of your souls. 
That's a mouthful, but man, isn't it great? That when we pass the test, the result is victorious. The result is praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you how one time I would have interpreted that. That when I see Jesus, there'll be praise and honor and glory. He'll be proud of me because I did a good job. Now, that's the result of, of my upbringing. Wanting to please mom and wanting to please dad. And I think that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I'm not sure that that's the thing that's being communicated here. Rather, what I, I believe today is being communicated here is that the result of me passing the test is praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ through me, through you. That when we walk in the calling and the faith and are producing the fruits of the Holy Spirit, the world, when they look at our lives, will see Jesus. And the result will be praise, honor, and glory as Jesus is revealed, not one day when he returns, but today in and through you. When the world sees you walking in love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and all of the wonderful results of those spirit-produced fruits. The world sees Jesus. And that's the call that's on our lives. That's what we test for. Are we in the faith? Am I bringing Jesus into this situation, or am I bringing something else? I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. It's a marathon of information. In fact, you could have taken any one of those things and simply talked about one for a short amount of time. But I'm glad that we could come together and look at those things for the purpose of seeking those things in our lives. I want to pray for us this morning, and I want to ask God to do something in our hearts and in our minds. And it's, it's a, the kind of thing that will, will manifest differently for every person. But the, the call or the request is that we be willing to test ourselves. If I were to describe what that looks like or what it feels like or what it sounds like, I, I think I could actually add more confusion because I think it's going to look and sound and feel different for every person. For some, it may come in, in your prayer life. For others, it may come... In your day-to-day -day life, just through revelation of the Holy Spirit revealing things to you. Uh, for others, it may come through uh, uh, disciplines and practices of reading the Word. But the, the goal here is to position our hearts to be humble. That we would be willing to test ourselves. So I want to pray and ask God to do this because I think it's important. If the Word calls for it and the Word instructs us to do it, we ought to do it. So there where you stand, uh, you're welcome to be in an attitude of agreement or, or, or simply uh, an attitude of receiving, however you choose to posture yourself. But I want to pray and I want to trust that, that the Holy Spirit, who is the most powerful minister in the room, is present to minister to each one of us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you've made a way for our lives to be pleasing to you through Jesus. And we ask to be liberated from any inferior thinking, any thinking that would be rooted in, in works or performance. But we do desire, through faith in Jesus, that our lives 
be effective, that we would examine ourselves, that our motives would be revealed, that our, our actions and the activities that we produce and perform would be revealed for the purpose of being effective. We want to be fruitful. We want to be productive. We want to deliver those things that you've paid the highest price to bring into our lives, the love that you've called to flow through our life, uh, the, the joy and the peace, the patience, the kindness. Let every one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit flow through us. We thank you, Father, for the goodness and the faithfulness and the gentleness and the self-control. We ask for these things to be present in all of our activities, our conversations, and everything that comes our way. Let us be those that carry the solution, that bring the solution, and let it be brought in such a way that in the end it's Jesus that's revealed. Let it result in praise, honor, and glory that when the world looks upon us, they see Jesus. And let there be a willingness in each of us to examine ourselves. When we find that we're outside of the faith in our attitude, in our words, in our actions, let us be quick to adjust, led and guided by your spirit, open to your counsel and your direction. Let us humble our hearts and be quick to adjust that we might produce the things that expand your kingdom and bring you honor and glory. We bless your name and we thank you for the power and the presence of your spirit. We thank you for the truth and the sanctifying effect of your word. And we ask, Father, as we live our lives uh, bearing the fruit of your Holy Spirit, that we see your kingdom expand in everything that we do and all that we say and all that we are. We bless your name and we give you thanks in the mighty name of Jesus. And all the saints declared, amen. amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.